Right track. I'm your host, and today we're going to be talking about Hello from the B-Sides. Recorded on the 25th May 1985, which was the release of the single Paisley Park on that particular day, at Sunset Sound, um, and released on the 10th of July 1985. On the track, it is Prince and the Revolution, and the track itself is 3 minutes 23, or there's a longer version that is 6.38. And joining me today to talk about this is Dan Costa. Hello, Dan. Hello. Um, when we recorded on another track, uh, uh-huh. you mentioned that... Your, um, I think it was your father. <laughs> yeah, my dad. Was not was did not approve of Prince because he refused to take part in mm. We Are the World. I think he probably would have called him an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, and the funny thing is, you know, obviously this, you know, this thing, this, um, this, this B side was recorded, um, you know, fairly quickly considering he recorded it in May and it was a B side in July. Oh. Like yeah. it was the it was the B side of Pop Life, which was the next single off Around the World in a Day, um, and um, in, over here in the UK, Raspberry Beret was released at the same time, and Hello was also the mm-hmm. B side over here for that. So this was a B side on two different singles on two different continents, <laughs> and Prince had only recorded it eight weeks earlier because he clearly needed to make a point. Incredible, um, you could say <laughs> you could tell because. <laughs> the one of the first lines is I tried to tell them that I didn't want to sing. So he, yeah. he like he does not like hold back. Um yeah, and this also addresses and there's another issue which happened around the same time. Um which is Prince had a bodyguard um who whose name was um Big Chick Huntsbury. Um and he is a, he was a gigantic man. He was like almost 7 foot tall and Considering that Prince was like a shade right. over five foot, you can imagine the visual of the two of them together. Um, and Chick had like this big white beard with this kind of this this black like uh, like where his mustache would be. Yeah. He had like a black kind of streak, and his beard was all white, mm-hmm. and he was gigantic. Um, and he would he was you know he was Prince's bodyguard from kind of early on, uh, and all. In fact, there are a few performances that Prince does of like. Um, uh, at the American Music Awards and at the Grammys and stuff um, of stuff from Purple Rain. And you can see as Prince heads out into the crowd, uh, usually for something like Let's Go Crazy, you know, he he, he he takes his guitar and as he does the solo, he kind of goes into the crowd and you can see right in front of him is this gigantic <laughs> person. And that is clearly Chick Huntsbury trying to make sure that nobody got near Prince when he was out and about in the crowd. Um, now, obviously, for some of those award ceremonies, the, yeah, <laughs> I pulled yeah. up a picture of Chick. He's an enormous dude. And the, the funny thing is, like, you know, in terms of, you know, guarding Prince, um, you know, he was apparently fairly kind of fierce in that respect. Yeah. And so if anyone got within a few feet of Prince, he would literally be right in their way. And there was an incident where apparently he, someone tried to get close to Prince and Chick kind of like shoved them away and they kind of fell down. And there was, so there was a little bit of that incident which is also in this song. Yeah. So yeah. when he has he has the line, you call them bodyguards, but I call them my friends. I guess I'm used to having them around. Um, so I think he'd actually shoved like a, a couple of photographers and that was kind of like the mm-hmm. issue, a couple of paparazzi. Um, 
but yeah, so the, those are two issues that Prince obviously, you know, something had happened with uh, with Chick, and then obviously this whole to do with the uh, We Are the World thing had happened, and so Prince felt the need to address both of these. Now, We Are the World, they recorded it March eighth, nineteen eighty five. So mm-hmm. that was like, um, you know, about six weeks before Prince recorded this song. So this is all happening very, very quickly. Was it, um, did they record it? Like at the Grammys or during, like after the Grammys or something like that. I think they were contacted around the time oh, of the okay. Grammys, which was was like you know January. Yeah. Um, and that's when they and you know it was kind of early January, and then somewhere later in January they started. You know, you know it, it was released. Sorry, I said it was recorded on the eighth of uh, March. It was released on the eighth of March. Uh-huh. So you know it went from being recorded to being released in about five weeks. Uh, something which obviously. Um, you know, mirrored the the Band Aid um, single, yep. which had been done Christmas nineteen eighty four, where you know Bob Geldof had recruited a number of British singers to to sing on that, and and you know again it had been recorded and mixed and finished all in the space of a few days. Um, now Prince, in the lyrics, he says quite clearly, um, <laughs> "I tried to tell them that I didn't want to sing, but I gladly write a song instead." Yeah, they said okay, and everything was cool till the camera tried to get in my bed. What does that now, mean? I think. The the issue there was after you know after Prince had said I'm going to give you a song yeah and he did um, on the album you know uh, Huey Huey Lewis in the news Kenny Rogers Tina Turner Chicago Northern Lights I don't even know who they are <laughs> uh, Bruce Springsteen the Pointer Sisters Steve Perry really Steve Perry <laughs> gets the they all contributed songs rather than kind of taking part in the you know we are the world single. Um, you know, which obviously Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie had written. Yeah, Prince. You know, he he just he just kind of said, okay, I'll record you a song, and he did. The song is called "For the Tears in Your Eyes." It's the final track off of the, off of the B sides. Um, you know, which until it was put onto the hits, the B sides, it was you know a very rare song. There is actually a video of it um, oh. that is on YouTube, and you know, it's a very kind of quiet song, and you know, there's a, a bit of religious imagery in there, but also you know, Prince kind of talks about. Um, you know, uh, kind of charity and, and, you know, giving and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of fits with the, you know, the rest of the album. And you've got to remember, you know, it, on, in terms of this album, like the other contributions, Huey Lewis in the News and Bruce Springsteen merely did live versions of songs. Like they didn't write brand new songs. They just did live versions. Yeah. You know, and some, and some of the other, you know, people that contributed songs, they just contributed songs that were off their most recent album. You know, like they didn't go in the studio and write a brand new song, which is what Prince did, you know, in the space of, you know, a couple of weeks. He, he, he wrote a song, gave it to them and everyone was happy. And then, there were, you know, there were a few kind of, um, you know, news reports calling out the fact that Prince was asked to sing on on the song um, and he actually turned them down. That was one of the he was one of the very few people who said, <laughs> no, I do not want to be in a in a studio with all these other people. Uh, I read that. Yeah. Yeah. And singing. I think particularly the kind of the sticking point was the fact that Michael Jackson had um, written, you know, uh, the song. And Prince didn't have like a, a, a proper kind of like beef with Michael Jackson, but he felt that he was certainly a better songwriter than Michael Jackson. <laughs> and so, you know, if he was going to come in and, and sing anything, he would have to, you know, rewrite it to suit him. It doesn't seem like it would fit, does it? Could you picture just putting Prince in there and asking him to sing part of it? Not and sounding like Prince. I don't see that. No, I, d- I don't think it would. I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, for some reason, they had Dan Aykroyd singing on this thing. So <laughs> I d- one thing I read, I don't know how true it is. Maybe you could shine some light. Is that he offered to play guitar? Yeah. And Quincy jo- Quincy Jones said, 
we don't need you to play the guitar. Yeah, but that would have been be- that would have been awesome. Yeah, he like, he he offered some of his feel. He offered to kind of rewrite a couple of lines and sing those, and they said no. He offered to play a couple of instruments, and they said no. You know, he, he kind of like off- offered uh, to do certain things, and they they kind of turned him down. So he said, okay, then I'll just give you a song. And as he says in the lyrics, you know, everything was okay. But then there was an incident. Yeah. This incident with Chick Hunsbury then happened where. You know, some paparazzos were trying to kind of get the story on why Prince wasn't taking part in this project, and they got a little too close, and Chick decided to push them uh, out of the way, yeah, yeah. and then that kind of became tied into it as well. Um, and you know, Prince actually gives us the story once the song begins. So you know, it starts with Prince singing "Hello, Hello, Hello, Hello," and then we get this kind of really cool kind of like a um, synth lick going on. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know we get to the you know the the opening lines where he he says he he tried to tell them that he didn't want to sing, and then we get <laughs> my favorite part, which is Prince mm. doing the story, but also doing the voices of the paparazzo. Yes, I wanted to t- talk to him about that. All right, <laughs> yeah, so cool. So he says, "I was sitting pretty with a beautiful friend," and you hear someone go, "Oh, darling." <laughs> And he goes, when this man tries to get in my car, and he goes, hey, Prince, come on, give us a smile, eh? And he goes, no introduction, how you been, just up your smile. That's right, you're a star. And, yeah. you know, then we get the, you call them bodyguards, but I call them my friends. I guess I'm used to having them around. So that's where we kind of get to that part. My thing about the voice, and this is another weird, just how it hit my brain, is I don't know if you ever listened to early Eminem. Yeah. But there's a song called Brain Damage. Where he does the voices of little kid, and he does the voice of a teacher, and it very much reminded me of Prince doing these voices <laughs> here. Like it just—that's it, how it struck in my brain. And I like as well how he's like, "Up, oh, you're a smile. That's right, you're a star." Like the kind of yeah. you know this idea that famous people you know should just give us access to whatever they're doing. <laughs> right. I mean, that's right. something obviously it's... Prince was so secretive and kind of. You know, I mean, there's a performance of him when the first performance he ever did on like American Bandstand and like Dick Clark, um, you know, he actually made he actually said to Prince, I, you know, I never was would have thought anything that funky would have come out of uh, Minneapolis. (laughs) And that kind of rubbed Prince up the wrong way straight away. And you watch this interview where he gives one word answers to everything Dick Clark is asking him because because <laughs> he took exception at that one little sentiment yeah. and he was like nope not saying anything at one point he's asked the question about how long have you been playing music and, and Prince just literally held four fingers up and said nothing <laughs> and so you like the, so Prince is like you know he's known for being you know a hard interview although if you see some of his interviews in later life he was always very friendly and warm and funny and you know he like he seemed like a genuinely like fun guy to be around if yeah. he was comfortable but if he was in a situation he wasn't comfortable he would completely shut down and you know obviously that's what happened with dick clark and you know that's kind of what happened for the first few years his public persona was very much one of not taking part in interviews not taking part in press not kind of getting into that whole game just kind of keeping his, himself to himself and just letting the music speak and you know, obviously, you know, the incident with with Chick Hunsbury, that was something that, you know, Chick Hunsbury stayed with Prince, you know, for a number of years after this. You know, he, he, he tragically passed away at a, a fairly young age in like 1990. I think he was kind of in his early 50s. And, you know, oh. I think obviously his size, um, you know. Yeah, he, he, he looks under, like a wrestler. He looks like yeah. a professional wrestler. And I think I think he, you know, his size was due to the same kind of thing that plagued Andre the Giant and, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the big show. 
um, where that where they where like their heart is under a lot of strain. With the big yeah. with the big show, not so much because he 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 had some kind of surgery done uh, when he was younger that kind of sorted oh, no out that problem. Um, and they've obviously figured out how to fix it. You know now that's good. But back then, you know, if you were Andre the Giant, basically you were on a, a short clock as to exactly when you were going to be dying. And the same is is true of Chick Hunsbury, You know, Chick, um, yeah. And so you know, obviously. He'd been with Prince since Prince started to get famous. So at this point, he'd been with Prince about five years. And then there was this incident. And obviously, this is where Prince... I mean, this is kind of unheard of. And I don't think Prince ever really did this again, where he went on record to defend an employee of his on a B-side. Like, that's such a... <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird kind of thing, but it's it's kind of typically Prince. It's like, he doesn't know how else to defend them. He's not going to go to the yeah. press or anything. He's just going to put it into this song. Um, into music he is an i mean it's of course he is an artist but like he's a real artist yeah you know like and and so much so that i believe that there's a strong chance if the the people taking care of his estate do it properly that he will get much bigger in death than he would even through his life you know like he's just and like we say he's got so much music I hope that they take care of the estate and they build him up even more because it, like when you hear these stories, which I had never heard, it's, <laughs> it's char, it's charming. It's like, yeah. listen, if you, if you had, he had been out for how many years for, for 1985, what, like seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, 78 yeah. was his first album. So yeah, this is about seven years that he's been around, but he controlled every aspect of his music up to that point. Yeah. I, aside from his debut album where he had to have like a, you know, a producer was in the studio with him. Uh, after that, he had full control over everything that he did. Yeah. So you know, up until up until he to... got into his dispute with Warner Brothers, then yeah. there were issues that he you know that obviously kind of bothered him at that point. But uh, you know, up until this point, certainly he'd had full control. And there's somebody to tell you, hey, sing these other people's music, Michael Jackson's song, you know, and you got you got to do it. You, we just want you in there in this chorus line, like kind of. Kind of corny. Yeah. You know, and then he's like, eh, that's not really what I want to do. And they make him out to be a bad guy. Yeah. And bearing in mind as well that Prince basically, when he did For Your Tears In Your Eyes, you know, as soon as they asked, which was late January, 2nd of February, he went into the studio. And by April, the song was fully mixed and it was on this album. Like, it, you right. know, it took him it took him yeah. like literally the, the, the space of a couple of weeks. He went from having no song to having a song, you know, out there on, on, on the album. Um, you know, and obviously that's what's alluded to in this in this song is that he just he decided, yeah. well, look, I'll write you a song. You know, it doesn't take me long. I'm not, you know, I'm writing songs every yeah. single day, so just have one of those. You know, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> there's there's a funny bit where we get to the kind of the point where where it says where Prince goes, I'm not afraid to die. Um, oh no, yeah. there's a better place. I eat what I want, whole wheat <laughs> toast. And I'm happy, and that's for sure. And I like how the backing vocals say, you know, don't be afraid, because there's a better place yeah. to go. Like, there's a little... And then he's like, yeah. you can eat anything you want. And then they go, anything is cool in moderation. And I don't even know what that little <laughs> bit's about, but it's just like Prince being like, look, I'm having whole wheat toast. You know, what's yeah. going on? Although it is... That's a great line. Yeah. And, and, the th- and the thing is, well, you know, it's, it's basically Prince on here, but, you know, Jill Jones is actually doing some background vocals as well, obviously, at this particular point. I think Jill Jones was Prince's girlfriend in 85. I think he ended up meeting Susanna, like, later in the year, uh, and that's when they split. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Prince says, we're against hungry ch- children, our record stands tall, but there's just as much hunger here at home. Now, I mean... To me, that kind—I mean—that feels like a little bit of a kind of 
I wouldn't say xenophobic, but it seems to it seems to misunderstand the yeah. point of what we are the world is. You know, obviously it is kind of taking the idea of saying, look, it's all well and good, everybody getting together and singing a song about helping hungry children abroad, but what about the hungry children in America? Right. Uh, which obviously right. now from Prince's point of view, obviously that is um you know, a viewpoint that kind of he could understand because he he did not grow up rich. He grew up, you know, relatively poor. And so he did kind of come from, you know, one of the few ghettos in uh, Minneapolis, you know. Yeah, so sure. he, I, he, he's obviously got a slightly different point of view than, say, Michael Jackson, you know, who who was touring from the age of three and who had, you know, by the time he was a teenager, had fabulous wealth and lived, you know, right. in this kind of theme park of a house like you know, there is a marked contrast, even though Prince at this point, you know, Paisley Park was in the early stages of being built. You know, he still was a, a kind of a struggling artist. You know, he had had a big hit with Purple Rain, but, you know, he, he didn't kind of see a lot of the success from that until a few years later. Is he saying, though, in this, like, hey, we are, don't say, you know, don't label me that I'm against hungry children. Don't say this against us. Like, you don't know what I'm doing to help the people around me yeah. or the people around Minneapolis or whatever. Yeah, no, it is known that it, Prince had a number of kind of like charitable ventures in the Twin Cities. And, you know, there's even a few occasions, you know, after he died, a few of these stories kind of came out where Prince saw, you know, a news report of someone who needed some money and he just wrote a check and sent it to them anonymously. <laughs> and kind right, of, right. and so he did, he, you know, that wasn't, I mean, I'm not saying he did that like every day, but there was, there was more yeah. than enough stories to, to know that Prince actually did kind of put his money where his mouth was and did actually kind of spend money on charities, you know, within his neighborhood, um, you sure. know, which from his point of view, you know, uh, you know, he, you know, his experience, he, he kind of knew that that was just as good as kind of getting together with a bunch of celebrities and singing, you know, about how yeah. we are the world. Um, and indeed we are the children. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah. And, um, and you know, uh, he then says, we, we all, we'll do what we can if you try to understand a flower that has water will grow and a child misunderstood will go. Um, so again, kind of talking about more of the kind of like, you know, uh, just do what you can at home and that will... Yeah, that, I love that. And a child misunderstood will go. I love that. That's, yeah. Um, and uh, It's very good. I like that. It's very deep. And then we get the kind of, you know, hello again a few times and then we yeah. kind of get, we get the same thing repeated again. <laughs> Um, you know, but he does like, hey, our record stands tall. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> one last time before it's like, hey, you know. And also, you can interpret that as our record stands tall, as in Prince saying, "Look, I've just had an album that sold like thirty million copies, oh, all right. and a successful <laughs> film, and I've just won an Oscar for that film, and so you know, I think my record on this is pretty good. You know, like I'm a success, and if I give you a song, it's going to help sell the album. You don't need me in a chorus line. You need you need a song yeah. from this very successful artist who has literally just broken through and has had like... I mean, Purple Rain was number one on the album charts for 27 weeks or something ridiculous like that in America. So yeah. he's got yeah. like the number one album, I think even still at this point. So he's trying to say to them, look, I'm at the top. If I put my name to something and give it to you, it's going to help that album sell. So, you know, have this song... And you'll sell records, and then that'll be more money for whatever charity this is, you know. Right, exactly. And so I think yeah. I think that's how I interpret that last kind of our record stands tall, you know, um, you know. And then he says, "Give us, give us time, and love will show." Hello, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hello, and that, and then we we get a few more hellos before the song ends. But yeah, I mean, I I kind of I just kind of love the fact that Prince 
was kind of i mean i don't interpret him as somebody you know sitting in bed watching cable news or whatever the kind of cliche is <laughs> but i do i do find it funny that maybe someone delivered you know like the the star tribune to his house and he was just looking at it being like this is not accurate and there's only one way yeah, no. <laughs> there's only one way i can correct these incorrect stories and that is by recording a song right now and having it as the b-side <laughs> to the recording studio <laughs> he's got like a batman bookcase <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, so I find I find that quite funny that Prince's solution to this was I need to get into the studio and I need to set the yeah. record straight, um, you know. And I I just think that's like it's a it's you know it's a really fun song. Prince felt aggrieved to the point where he needed to record something. Like after this, there are a few songs where Prince records stuff um, that obliquely references his dispute with Warner Brothers. Um, you know, if you've ever listened to the song Dolphin by by Symbol as he was at the time by the artist formerly known as Prince. That's actually a direct attack at Warner Brothers and the schedule that he'd been forced onto in terms of releasing albums. But it's put in this mm-hmm. metaphor of, of being a dolphin for some reason, you know. So oh. <laughs> Prince, Prince, later on, he would do this a few times where he'd have a song that is about a specific issue, but it's never this naked. Like it's never literally him saying, "I said I was going to sing a song and put that on the album, and this bodyguard is my friend and he's done nothing wrong." Like that's literally what this song is saying. I love it. I love it. It's just one of those things where you think to yourself, "Well, Prince is, you know, a man of mystique and mysterious, and you know, hides from the public." And then in this case, he's like, "No, no, no, this is what is wrong." And he's just literally, yeah. it's like if he was like some kind of like drunk down the bar, just yelling, going, "This is all wrong." I, I didn't want to sing with Michael Jackson, you know, like, and my bodyguard did nothing wrong by pushing those paparazzi out the way. Like it's literally that kind of thing, but turned into a yeah. b-side and done as kind of like an upbeat song that goes that goes on the back of um, pop life but that's how he could that's how he could communicate yeah that's his you know that's his that that's his way of doing it. he's he was probably a, he was a shy person right very yeah shy. yeah i mean certainly amongst like with with his friends apparently he was very kind of open and you know very friendly yeah. and you know very generous but you know to anyone who, who he didn't really know it was, you know, it was always kind of, you know, he's always very standoffish and kind of shy. But what I love as well is this has been the B-side to Pop Life. And Pop Life is uh, a kind of commentary on, um, you know, the record industry at the time. Uh, and there's there's oh. a couple of lines in there about how, well, there's one where it says, where does all your money go? Um, and it talks about how it goes up your nose. So he's talking about how record executives are, you yeah. know, spending tons of money on cocaine and stuff while Prince is busy in the studio putting out, you know, uh, extremely successful albums. So it's funny that this is the B-side to pop life because it's they're kind of both like a commentary on very specific things. Of the time. Of the very, yeah, yeah. of specific things of the time. Yeah. But yeah, so, and then, you know, obviously for Tears in Your Eyes is a, is a really good song. And anyone would be lucky to have that as like a, a, a song, you know, a contribution to a charity album. Uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, like uh, about a decade after this, you had like the, the War Child charity. Um, and you also had yeah. like the the Red Hot and, you know, whatever compilation albums, which are, you know, stuff for the, you know, various age charities. And people were always enthusiastic to kind of like give songs to those albums, um, you know, like without even hesitation. And yeah. and it's funny that Prince is kind of criticized for doing that at a time before people really did that. And then when you look at the rest of the tracks that were on We Are The World album, you know, aside from, you know, For The Tears In Your Eyes and, and the title track, You'd be hard pressed to yeah. kind of say that anything else is up to the same kind of you know is in the same league. No, um, I couldn't. I couldn't remember any of them. Yeah. yeah. So it's you know. I mean, obviously, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you know, apparently is the boss. Um, so um, <laughs> you know, so 
you know, obviously there, there are there are other tracks that are, are by artists that were kind of in Prince's league at the very least. But you know, Tina Turner at this time she was she was kind of on a, on a bit of a you know a downturn. You know, I don't even know who Northern yeah. Lights are. Um, and you know, the nope. same could be said for you know Chicago and the Pointer Sisters. These are kind of and even mm-hmm. Kenny Rogers. These are people who weren't really at the. I mean, Huey Lewis obviously nineteen eighty five that was literally their peak. Um, but for you know for everybody else. It felt like they're kind of also rands that got to be on this album, and here is Prince, you know, a man at the top of his powers, just being like, "Here, have a song." Uh, you know, you shouldn't really turn that down. Somebody from the production, you know, were the ones going to the press. Oh, well, what you know? Yeah, we wanted Prince, but he didn't want to be in it, so you know. Yeah, and I, I know also, I, like we said, I don't think Prince would have fitted in in that um, song. No. You would, you would have been wasting Prince if you'd have put him in the chorus for "We Are the Absolutely. World." You know, um, so. But yeah, and it's worth saying, of course, that that album, you know, it was a huge success. It got to number one. Uh, you know, it raised about 50 million for, you know, charity. So, you know, it did really well, you know, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like Prince's involvement was just about enough, you know. Although it, it is <laughs> right. it is funny that um, Sheila E. was actually on the song We Are The World. Uh, obviously, Sheila E. being a, a close friend of Prince's. So, uh, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. people, you know, it's not like Prince was like, oh, Sheila shouldn't have done it. You know, like he was he was happy for her to do it. He just didn't want to be part of that whole production, uh, which I can kind of understand. Um, it, uh, Prince didn't really perform this song live either, so I think once he put it out on a B-side, he'd kind of he said his piece, and that was the end yeah. of it. He didn't need to kind of be singing it live every every kind of you know tour and kind of making the point once more. Uh, <laughs> and also, I got to be honest with you, I think that after you know Chick died a few years after this, I think the song would you know would kind of. Uh, be bittersweet for Prince to sing anyway, you know. Even if, because I think it's a really catchy song, and I remember when I got mm-hmm. the, you know, the B sides, and this is the first song on the B sides, and I'd never heard it before, and then all of a sudden I'm like, what is this song about? Like, like straight away, <laughs> like you know, and this is pre-internet, so I, I'm, you know, I'm going through like various kind of Prince biographies in the library and stuff, trying to find out the story that Prince is trying oh, to address. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is like a really great opening to, you know, like a, a, a B side compilation. Uh, you know, as well as being like a really catchy song, and it should go without saying, I don't think anyone's covered it. I couldn't find any covers myself. Also, yeah. searching for the song "Hello" on the YouTube brings up a lot of uh, covers of Lionel Richie, but nothing, <laughs> nothing Prince related. <laughs> yep. Who, of course, was the co-writer of uh, "We Are the World." So, yeah, um, but yeah, uh, for me, I would have to say a clear five out of five. I just love it. I love it as like a Prince being kind of bitchy and kind of using it to set the record straight. Like only Prince could be like, I'm recording a B-side right now. I'm recording a B-side and everyone's going to know my side of the story and I'm putting it out on my next single. You know, eight weeks later, there it is. And and I just love that Prince did that. Yeah, it, you know, I love the story behind it. I love um, learning more and more about Prince and more that, like I said, he's not, he wasn't so much a diva as he was a particular artist. You know, and he had his very particular yeah. thought, thoughts about how things should go. So I, I say 4.5 for me. Uh, okay, well, I feel like we've said as much about hello as we possibly can. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Dan? No, just please follow me at DanCosta40 on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Trap by Track. Or you could follow us on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you could email us, not sure why you would, at track at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Dan. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And otherwise, Hello. hello.